0: Let me ask you a question this morning. What is it that you're thankful for? Think about that. What is it that you are thankful for today? So much to be thankful for. But what is it that you're thankful for today? Someone said, if you can't be satisfied with what you have received, be thankful for what you have escaped. If you can't be satisfied with what you have received... Be thankful for what you have escaped. Or look at it like this. Compare what you want with what you have, and you'll be unhappy. Compare what you deserve with what you have, and you'll be happy. This morning, we are going to be looking at the gratitude of Paul. Paul, for me, is one of my heroes of the faith, as I'm sure he's one of your heroes as well. This man was one of the greatest champions the church has ever seen. We read of him um, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He wrote these sayings about himself. He said, to my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offsprings of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman with far greater labors, for far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews, 30 or 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, and toil and hardship through many a sleepless night. In hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. If it could have gone wrong, Paul experienced it. Year after year, this man was found to be in opposition of the religious leaders. Oftentimes, he was found to be in prison. He experienced some of the most brutal things any believer could possibly experience in one lifetime. Even though he experienced these cruelties, he still, over and over, as we read his writings in scripture, we see his gratitude. If you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to First Timothy. We're going to be reading First Timothy chapter 12. Through verse 17. This morning we're taking a break from our Matthew sermon series. We'll pick it up back up when we get into the new year. But this week is a standalone. We're talking about thanksgiving and gratitude. And next week we'll begin our Christmas sermon series. So I'm looking forward to our time as we um, enter into a new series for a few weeks together. But read with me from God's Word, First Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the foremost, but I received mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life, to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul is writing this letter to his young apprentice, Timothy. Paul spent about three years in the city of Ephesus. He established a church there. He began to preach the people, lead the people, and disciple the people. Then in that encounter, he, he also took young Timothy under his wing, and he discipled him and equipped him. And when Paul left the city of Ephesus, he left Timothy in charge. And in an attempt to encourage his young disciple, Paul used his life as a testimony, as an example of what God could do through a vessel totally yielded and totally abandoned to him. There are so many things to love about Paul. But one thing that I love about Paul is that he never allowed himself to stray too far from his conversion experience. Now, let me be clear here. Okay, you and I are not to live in the past. Okay, Paul um, was grateful for God's amazing grace. Paul reached back and he, he recalled his past mistakes, fa- failures, and wickedness, but he did not live there. We were saved from the past, but remembering the beautiful transformation that took place from a life eternally damned to a life of eternal life. Life is something to celebrate and something to rejoice about. Paul was an enemy of the church, and an enemy of Christ before he became a believer. Scripture tells us that he was present the day that Stephen was stoned. In fact, Scripture says that those that were responsible for stoning Stephen laid their garments at his feet. Now, we don't know why they laid his garments at his feet. We're not told that, but but what this does show us is that Paul, was well respected, that Paul, most likely, possibly even on this day, was responsible in overseeing the stoning of Stephen. So Paul was a total enemy of the church, most likely responsible even for the death of believers. We know he was responsible for the imprisonment of believers. That's the kind of man that Paul was before he became a Christian. Now, he didn't dwell on his life before Christ, but he did focus on God's amazing grace. We read of of, of Paul's life before Christ in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. We read this, and Saul approved of his execution. Let me tell you this, Paul is... Saul was Paul before he became Paul. Saul was Paul's given name by his birth parents, but Paul was the name that was given to him by the Lord on the other side of his salvation experience. So continue reading here. It says, And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentations over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to To prison. Reading that passage of scripture, you can certainly see the kind of man that Paul was before he became a Christian. He was a brutal man. He was against the church. He was against Christ. He was against anyone that were a part of the way. And in fact, Paul would go to the religious leaders and he would ask the religious leaders for permission to go into the city of Damascus to arrest anyone belonging to the way and bring them back into Jerusalem. It would be on this journey, on his way to Damascus, that the Lord Jesus Christ got a hold of him and saved him. And we read of this encounter in Acts chapter nine, verses one through nine, it says this, but Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Doesn't sound like a very nice guy before he became a Christian, does it? And then we read here in verse 3, Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. Paul never forgot his salvation experience. Paul never forgot his salvation experience. Paul did not live in the past, but he certainly remembered God's amazing grace, as it should be said of us. We don't live in the past, but we certainly remember God's amazing grace, don't we? God's transformation that that he allowed to take part in our lives, the day that we surrendered our lives to him, the day that we repented of our sins, and the day that we cried out to him to be our Lord and our Savior. Notice our first point this morning. It is this. Paul was thankful in the present. We read in verse 12. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful appointing me to his service what are you thankful for this morning I'm thankful that the Lord saved me I'm thankful for my family for my wife and my kids and my dad I'm thankful for this church I'm thankful for my friends I'm thankful that I get to be your pastor those are some of the things that I'm thankful for today And as you sit there and as you think, what are you thankful for today? What is it that you're able to say to the Lord, thank you for? Hopefully, first of all, it's God's amazing grace. Hopefully that's something that you will allow just to permeate through you, that you are thankful for God's amazing grace this day. Paul showed his gratitude to the Lord because of the Lord's amazing grace. A former blasphemer and persecutor, now an entrusted minister of the gospel. Notice our 1st subpoint this morning. It was this. Paul was grateful for the ministry the Lord gave him. Paul clearly understood that which he was saved from and appointed to. And he was thankful to God for entrusting him with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each of us in this room that are saved, that have experienced God's amazing grace, We should all be thankful for that. We are thankful for the redemptive work of Christ on the cross. We are thankful that Jesus died on that cross for our sins. We are thankful that he's provided a way for us to enter into an eternal life with him. We are thankful that he died for our sins and conquered death and provided a way for us to be saved from eternal death. For so many in the Christian church, they think that that is all there is that they just pray a prayer and and they get their get out of hell card free and that's all there is i want you to know right now there is so much more to this life than that right there that is a that is where it all begins but there's so much more than just your salvation experience paul recognized that he was saved for ministry he was saved for service within the church, you too, and myself, we were saved for ministry. We were saved for service. We were all appointed by God to make disciples. And that appointment is without exception, without exception. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, we read this word. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of work so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. Every single one of us, we were saved by God's grace. 100% God, 100%. We were also saved through faith us believing and knowing that what Jesus said is true. We read in Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. We are saved by grace through faith, but understand this, we were saved for good works. You and I have been saved for good works. We have been saved just as Paul Gave thanks for, we were saved for the opportunity to be a part of the service of the church and the ministry of the church. We, at the moment of our salvation, were commissioned by God the Father to make disciples, to advance the gospel, and we were appointed to the work of the Great Commission. We were saved to engage our family with the gospel, we were saved to engage our co workers with the gospel, we were saved to engage those that we do life with with the gospel. That is without exception. Paul was thankful that God saved him from his blasphemous ways and appointed him to be a herald of the truth of God's word. Notice also Paul's, Paul was grateful for the strength that he received. Paul recognized that he could not do what he did without the strength of the Lord. And I think all of us in this room can say that, right? We've, we're grateful for the strength that the Lord gives us to persevere each and every day. That was Paul. He had a a heart of grateful gratitude, thanksgiving for the strength that he was given. In Isaiah 40, 31, we read, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Paul, as we read earlier over the course of his life, just by, let's think about this, okay? Think about Paul's life, okay? These are some of the afflictions that Paul went through. He was imprisoned multiple times for months or years at a time. He was beaten countless times. Five times he received 39 lashes. He was stoned, he was shipwrecked. He went without food, he went without sufficient clothing. He went without shelter. Without the strength of the Lord, there is absolutely no way that Paul would have been able to overcome such brutal affliction that he experienced. Paul wrote these words in Philippians 4.13. All of us know this passage, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. A lot of times we think that that passage of Scripture goes best in a locker room or it goes best on a t-shirt with some some massive bodybuilder um, with weights over his head. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's not the kind of strength that this is talking about. This is talking about spiritual strength. This is talking about emotional strength. It is talking about physical strength, not the physical strength needed to to, to lift 400 pounds, but the physical strength needed to overcome the opposition that this world is going to throw our way, the fiery darts that this world is going to throw our way. Even in the midst of Paul's persecution, Paul found strength in the Lord. Notice our second point here. Paul remembers his past. We read in verse 13. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy. And the deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the foremost. In MacArthur's commentary, he writes, The grace of God was especially vivid in Paul's mind because of his past. As a great sinner, he needed great grace. All of us can attest to that, right? All of us were great sinners that needed great grace. Paul was grateful for the mercy he received from the Lord. Paul knew that he did not deserve the grace given him by the Lord. He knew that he did not deserve the platform that the Lord had given him to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said of himself, he called himself the worst of all sinners, a blasphemer a persecutor. He was an opponent of the church. I mean, we read in Acts chapter 8 that Paul would go from house to house arresting anyone that was a believer. There are still Pauls in our world today, isn't there? You know, every time we we go to, I know for me when I go to a website called the Christian Post, it seems like once a week at least I read of Christians that are being persecuted and put to death for their faith. There are places in our world today where Christians meet in hiding. They meet in remote places because of the fear if they are caught, they are going to be arrested, placed in concentration camps, or even potentially put to death. Several years ago, I was in India, and and you can kind of see, maybe you can dim the lights a little bit here, but we went to a very remote part of India. And in this city that we were in, Hinduism was, they were brutal toward Christians. It was a city that was very much full of witchcraft. And the church was attacked. And, and this church continued to meet They met in a very, very small room. In that room right there, there's probably about 15 people. And that is the size of their church. I took a panoramic shot of that room. I started in one corner and I worked my way around to the other corner. We had the opportunity to go into that small church. It was night. There were people outside the doors, and we had the opportunity to preach the good news of salvation amongst those people. But there are still places in our world, and places like India, China, North Korea, Iraq, Iran, all of these different places in this world where Christians are attacked for their faith. This is real. This is still happening. And Paul used to be the one that was responsible for entering in homes like that and taking anyone belonging to the way and placing them in prison. Paul recognized that what he had done was wrong. He repented of his past action. He was grateful for God's mercy. You and I may not have opposed the church like Paul. We may not have ever harmed a believer, but if you are in this room this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, understand these words that, that were written in Mark twelve thirty apply. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. I pray that when the time of final judgment occurs, there won't be anybody in this room that will be found to be against Jesus Christ. May all of us in this room, if we haven't already been saved by God's amazing grace, may today be the day that you are saved by God's amazing grace. Notice our second sub-point here is Paul was grateful for salvation. Paul was grateful for his salvation. Most of us in this room, okay, there may be a few in this room that are hardened criminals. Most of us in this room weren't saved out of a life of crime. We probably, if you ever spent time in jail, it may have been a day or, or something like that because of something stupid that you did. But most of us in this room have not spent a great deal of time in prison. I say most of us. I haven't ever spent a day in prison. I do want you to know that, okay? Probably close a few times, but never. Um, John MacArthur, in his commentary, he, he writes this. He said, history abounds with stories of dramatic conversions that testify to that. One such story is about a 19th century South African named Afrikaner, a chief of the Hot knot tribe. He was a hardened, vicious warrior. He and his men were the terror of South Africa. He was so dangerous that the governor of Cape Town offered a large reward for him, dead or alive. Into the scene stepped Robert Moffat, a young Scottish missionary. Believing that God had called him to preach the gospel to the hot knots, he sought them out. The first person converted under Moffat's ministry was Afrikaner. He was a remarkable testimony of God's amazing grace. Billy Sunday was a hard-drinking professional baseball player in the early days of the sport. Walking down the street one day in Chicago with several of his teammates, they came across a street preacher and evangelist. And as this street preacher preached, they began to make fun of him. But something that he said that day caught the attention of Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday became a Christ follower, and he became a great evangelist and a great advancer of the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, I have witnessed over the years God's glorious transformation take place in the life of hardened sinners, in the life of alcoholics and drug addicts and gang members and even murderers. God's grace is amazing. A couple of weeks ago, I shared with you that Chief and Sue were part of a prison ministry. And over the course of the weekend, within um, many of our state prisons, 1,252 people became Christ followers. Hardened sinners. Hardened criminals. Saved by God's amazing grace. Paul remembered what he had been saved from. But he certainly did not live in the past. He pursued a life completely surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. Our final point this morning is this. Paul knows his future. Paul knows his future. In verses 16 and 17, we read, But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Paul not only knew what he was rescued from, he also knew what he was saved unto. As we looked in the first part of this message, in our first point, Paul was saved unto ministry. To service. But here we see that Paul recognizes the weightiness of the position that he has as a Christ follower. He says again, but I received mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example of those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Paul recognized the weightiness of the responsibility he had to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Young Timothy was an apprentice of Paul. Paul knew that the Lord had entrusted Timothy to his watch care. Paul knew that he had a responsibility to disciple Timothy, to equip Timothy, and to check on Timothy frequently to make sure that he is overcoming the the opponents of the gospel. I also know that I have a responsibility as your pastor. I have a responsibility to steward your spiritual growth. And I want you to know I do not take that lightly. I pray for you. I pray often for you. And, in fact, I pray often 2 Peter 3.18 over you. Those words are, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. And I pray that God will allow all of us to grow in his grace and knowledge on a daily basis. Paul wrote First in Timothy as a discipleship letter to Timothy. Paul most likely did not realize that 2,000 years after his death that we would be gathered in this room preaching from the very words that he shared with young Timothy. He may not have known, but the Lord certainly knew. And we know that this word right here, is more than just ink on the page. It is the very breath of God on the page. It is the Word of God, and we can take this Word right here, and we can apply it to our lives on a daily basis, and we can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let's grow as a faith family. Let's grow as individuals. Let's have the same gratitude that Paul did. And even the same weightiness that Paul did, realizing that, that those that he has entrusted us to, we have a responsibility to disciple and equip. Parents, you have a responsibility to disciple and equip your children. Grandparents, you have a responsibility to disciple and equip your grandchildren. All of us have a responsibility to disciple and equip those that the Lord entrusts us with as we steward his well, his word well. Notice also, notice Paul's praise. Paul praised the Lord. In verse 17, we read, To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul began this section of Scripture with thanksgiving. And now he closes this passage with a doxology. Paul refers to Jesus as being the king of the ages. And within Jewish thought, He is referring to Jesus as being the king of the present age and also the king of the age yet to come. He has no beginning, and he will have no end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus is eternal, and if you are here this morning and you have never experienced his amazing grace, and I want you to know this morning, you can experience his grace, and you can know that you were saved for so much more than just breathing in air on this planet. You were saved for eternity, because you were created for eternity. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. He died on the cross for my sins. He died on the cross for the sins of this world, and we are promised in God's word that if we place our faith and trust in him, we too shall be saved. We shall be saved unto eternal life. If you're here this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to make the greatest decision that you could ever make in just a moment. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us in this room, we are all sinners, okay? Now, as we, as we looked at earlier, our sins may not be as weighty as what Paul's sins were. It doesn't matter. One sin separates us from God the Father. And the Bible says in Romans six twenty three that the wages of sin is death. The consequence for our sin is death. But the good news is this. The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, you can come and experience his amazing grace. In Romans 10, 9, we read that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. If you have never done that this morning, in just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. And what I'm going to invite you to do, if you don't know Jesus and you would like to come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning, I'm going to invite you to meet me right here at the front. We're going to sing a song. It's going to be a song of invitation. And as that song is being sung, I want to invite you to come and place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning, the Lord's leading you to become a member of Friendship Baptist Church. We invite you to come this morning to do that very thing. Let me ask you again this morning. What are you thankful for? My prayer is this, that you're thankful for God's amazing grace. If you've never experienced God's amazing grace, you come this morning. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray. And after I say amen, if you don't know Jesus this morning, you come. This morning, if you have been visiting this church for a while and the Lord's leading you to become a member, you come as well. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we come before you now. Father, thanking you for your amazing grace. Thanking you that you took us, sinners, what we deserved was hell. But because of your grace, because you came to this earth and you died on the cross for our sins, and you defeated death, you defeated the grave, and you rose three days later, you provided a way for us too in this room to defeat death to defeat this life, and to be saved for all of eternity. So if there's someone here this morning that has never placed their faith and trust in you, Lord Jesus, I pray that today they'll make the greatest decision that they could ever make. Father, there may be some here this morning that you're leading to become a part of Friendship Baptist Church, Lord, and we welcome them to be a part of this amazing church. Father, just move now during our time of invitation. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.